Welcome to the Antlerless Podcast. Hunting for everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Antlerless Podcast. I'm here with Drea Grangroth of Ridge Patrol, and we are here again to talk about hunting. We talked about it last time she was here, but we got even more shit to talk about this time because uh, that's just how stuff goes. So, Drea, how are you doing today? Oh, so good. I am so happy to be on here and chat chat hunting. We're getting so excited here in Montana. We've been seeing elk and hearing bugles. I glassed up a really nice bull the other day, which I am going to save for my client for a second week. Um, we'll see if any other public land hunters are in there trying to get after him, but getting super oh, you know they will be here yeah well cool let's jump in the wayback machine for a minute because we talked about doing this back uh back during turkey season in the spring <clears throat> when i was struggling turkey hunting and you had a successful turkey hunt you want to tell us your turkey hunt story yeah so i did a, a lot of turkey hunting in colorado and just came close so many times but i was always always so persistent that I want to shoot my first bird with my bow. And, you know, I had some phenomenal hunts with some friends in Colorado, but just hadn't really yeah, found any success. And then I came out here to Montana this last fall and there's not a lot of turkeys here. There's maybe uh, on public land, there's maybe like one or two flocks. There's not a lot at all, but uh, we got lucky and we found a couple toms some jakes and some hens pretty high. They were at like I guess not pretty high. They were at like 7,500 feet, but there was still like a foot of snow, two feet of snow. And what these turkeys were doing were, you know, they would roost. Then they'd, eat, they'd use the ridgeline under the trees where all the snow had melted. And they would, you know, come down the, the hill and graze through like the tree line and along the river bottoms against like the willows and stuff where all the snow was melted. But it was so hard to get them to try and cross any of those fields and come into any calls. It was really hard to try and get in close too because in those fields, you were still in a couple feet of snow. And at one point, Sean and I, we were, we found this Tom and we were putting a stock on and we were post hauling and I was like all the way up to my hips and it was just like pure slush. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> we got right in on him and he took a shot. He took a couple shots at him and missed and they didn't really get too scared and they stayed in there. And so a few weeks later when the snow um, wasn't as deep, but it was still pretty deep. I went back in there and it was cool. I decided to just go in with the shotgun. I was like, screw it. I want to get my first bird. I want some turkey meat and just itching to fill a tag. And so I took the shotgun up there and they were right in the same spot in this little field. And so I got to this little ridgeline looking down and it was super muddy. And I was like sliding and trying to be really quiet and not like move quickly through the trees and got down and there was this old stump and all these roots and it's just big pile of dirt and I crawled up on it and laid down rested my barrel right on the log and was so steady and shot the bird at 50 yards and he fell down and I was like what <laughs> I almost didn't believe it because I had been working nice. so hard it was seven years and I finally got a bird and you know I wanted to just run across the field but the snow was so deep so I had to do this big circle around <laughs> When I got back down to him, I was just like, I just was soaking in the moment. It was so hard for me to like want to leave the woods. I was just like, oh, that was really cool to be like so stealthy and quiet and sneaking on these birds. And I, I sat there 
resting on that old stump for probably 15 minutes, just waiting for him to come out to like a really good spot. Um, and so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. First bird, he was absolutely beautiful. He was, he was big. Um, and so we actually have a couple breasts left still to enjoy from him. But yeah. Oh, nice. Super cool to, to harvest a bird well, better... in the mountains where it's like there's so much snow and it was still so cold. And to see how they totally just thrive in that habitat, nothing's really coming after them when the snow's so deep. It's hard for the coyotes. You better, to get... um, yeah, you better go ahead and eat those so that you make room in your freezer for the elk. That's right. That's right. What I'm planning <laughs> to do is a turkey pot pie to bring out to hunting camp. And all you got to oh, do is man. throw it on the fire, warm it up. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. And you had one heck of a time this year chasing birds, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. So the place that I go is kind of the opposite of where you are. Like there are absolutely insane turkeys there, mm-hmm. um, but they're really, really pressured. So if you screw up at all, if you move wrong, or if they think they should see a turkey and there's not one there and they don't even see you, they're like, oh, fuck this shit I'm out yeah you know like they'll they'll just run off and uh I screwed up um probably two or three birds that I probably could have gotten if I hadn't screwed up yeah I mean one of them I outright missed I called him in he actually he was there was like me a creek and then maybe 50 yards away a road and he came down a hill to the road paced back and forth at the creek didn't want to cross the creek. Went up the road maybe a quarter mile to where a bridge crosses the creek. Crossed oh, the bridge. Came back to me on the other side of the creek. <laughs> and then I missed. Yeah. I just I just missed. And I kind of blame it on. So my shotgun has um, like one of those really bright orange dot um, sights. And I think that when I was aiming at him, I kind of went into like bow hunting mode and I only looked at the orange dot and I didn't oh, look yeah. at like the one in the middle <laughs> of the barrel that you're supposed to line up with the orange dot. So yeah. I, just, I think I just, I shot really high. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're close. Um, I mean, yeah. They're not smart for, they're smart for a reason. <laughs> All these wild animals that we pursue are, um, and it's every time it's like, oh, I get so close. And then the season's over and it's ugh, tag soup again. But there's always so much to learn to be able to apply apply to the next season, which is always a great takeaway. Yeah. It's amazing. Turkeys can see so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a hen that I had a tom gobbling. And then I had a hen as I was trying to kind of cut distance to the tom. I had this hen come into my call and she got to where she could she could uh, see where I was sitting, but I wasn't moving. And I, I knew it because I, I had scared so many up to this point. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you move, she's she's gone. And she kind of was circling me and she's calling. And I could tell she's kind of getting uneasy because she's kind of throwing in like a putt every now and then. And she, uh, I, I had to turn my head to see where she was. And I literally turned my head probably like, three inches and she saw that and she flew off in the direction that the tom was because mm-hmm. he was he was starting to come in because he heard two hens calling now from the mm-hmm. same spot and you know so she uh she flew off towards him and of course they were just gone at that point yeah 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 imagine being that short and then obviously having good <laughs> eyesight but when you're when you're down low like that you can see so much more yesterday we went glassing and I spotted an elk 
It was one of those moments where I was looking into like all of this dark timber, little aspen grove, little pockets of meadow. That's sort of the landscape. And it was still pretty harsh light from like contrast wise. And it's funny because I picked up the binoculars and I looked into the trees and all I saw was just the elk's ass and how it has that curve down to <laughs> Uh, their leg and comes down and I literally sat my ass right down. I was like, oh my God, there's an elk. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's like 15 or <laughs> 20 of them. They were just filing through there. Um, and I was just like, if I wouldn't have looked right at that one spot and like seen that defining line yeah. of an animal, probably would have completely uh-huh. missed them. But yep. Yep. That happened to me during scouting. I looked across this meadow. First, I had this bull that even though my wind was blowing, he was kind of small. Um, my wind was blowing directly at him as, as I come, came up over this hill and I saw him. He kind of looked at me and I'm like, oh, he's he's going to like run off. And he just kind of looked at me like, yeah. what are you? <laughs> and I, I took my phone out, got a video of him, took some pictures. And he kind of, he's like, oh, I guess I, I don't know what that is. I guess I ought to run off. And he mm-hmm. kind of trotted away, not really ran. Like he didn't just storm off through the forest and make a bunch of noise like they usually do. And I really wanted to see just kind of the direction he went. I was like, well, I don't want to go too far that way and just really put a lot of pressure on them. But I really want to see if there's water right over this hill. And I went 50 yards further up and he's just there. He's just like, oh, shit, I got to run away again. Yeah. Oh, there she is. What's she doing (laughs) out here? That was kind of. Yeah. I know he's like, this is just this drainage where there's just nothing. I've, I've been up in these places. We'll talk plans and fun stuff later, but, um, yeah, I've just been in all of these places where there's just no trails. It's miles from anything. It's been pretty amazing, but I was on my way down. I was like, well, I'm not going to keep pushing this elk. So I was on my way down and I kind of look off in the trees across this meadow and I'm like, is that a, there's something over there. Is that a moose? Is it a <laughs> log? There's a bunch of downfall in this area, and I'm I kind of settle on log. I'm like, yeah, I think that's a log. And of course, I have my binoculars on, and I don't even take them out to look. I'm like, yeah, it's just a weird log leaned up between some other trees. And you know, I kind of walk that way, and it it is a massive bull. Like it is mm-hmm. the the head honcho, like the one that's been beating up on the little one that didn't really want to run away earlier. <laughs> yeah, he uh he definitely didn't stick around. He didn't stick around for photos. He ran straight off and. I'm sure take everyone else with him, but that was cool. And so what tags are you holding this year? I am hunting over-the-counter archery. I'm going to do, I actually got, this may be overconfident of me, but I have a strategy. I got, from the unit where my house is, I can get an either sex tag and a cow tag. Awesome. So I went ahead, I went ahead and got both. Because I figure I might have an opportunity for a cow, but I also want to, um, I really want to hunt a bull. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to pass up. I don't want to have to, like, go through that thing of, oh, do I pass on this cow that I have a good shot at because I want to hunt for a bull? Like, no, nah, you know, if I can put something in the freezer, that's, like, my number one priority. And then I can go try to, you know, trophy hunt for the freezer. Yeah, that's sort of where like I'm at because I have now three months here in Montana where I can hunt. Granted, I'm going to be guiding most of that time, but I've been going back and forth of like, I just really want to put meat in the freezer. But I'm like, well, if I don't kill a bull during archery season, I have <laughs> some time in rifle. And I'm like, Drea, you know exactly what you're going to say to yourself. If you had an opportunity and you passed and then rifle season's over and you didn't have another opportunity. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it would really nice be nice to get some meat in the freezer. You've been seeing a pretty good bull in that area, right? Yeah, I've seen two big ones and then the kind of smaller one. Yeah. Uh, and I heard kind of in that same area where I saw the small one, I heard some cows too. So I know there's got to be a herd up in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of hard to, well, I mean, they're all a little bit hard to get into, but the wind here, the way it usually blows, um, getting into that particular drainage is difficult without your, like, because the, the walls of it are really, really steep. So it's kind of hard to like go up a ridge and then drop in or anything like that. Um, so uh, waiting that spot, it's kind of waiting on um, the right conditions, but they may yeah. not be there anymore anyway. But so I've got, I've got some, plan a b and c lined up for sure awesome that's good and that's coming up in next weekend too or this week like this week yeah right yeah Yeah. that's this weekend it's uh grouse season opens on Mm -hmm. uh the first and then elk season opens on the second so i'm gonna go set up camp on the first and go out and do probably some some grouse hunting with my bow and try to get up in some high spots and just do some afternoon glassing there you go. That'd be nice. Yeah. I I just, I love glassing. I feel like you can learn so much. You, obviously, it's great. You find the animals. Like last night, Sean and I, we've, because we've been glassing a lot the last few weeks, but now this week, every night and every morning, we're glassing. And I just told him, I was like, I've only hiked in this area twice. And it's a pretty big mountain range. And I feel like I would, like, I feel confident being able to go in there in the dark, coming out in the dark simply by just studying the land so many times over and over and really looking at like the drainages and the ridge lines and where are some of those like because there are a few old roads that go in there which is nice you can't drive yeah, on yeah. and you you can't get to them because you have to actually cross the river to get to most of this range which is great um but you know that if i were to get a, an animal in there with a client especially you have all these different great access like easy ways to get out um, and especially when it comes to guiding, that's always the ticket. Cause you know, your clients aren't always as in shape as you are. And a lot of times you get out there and then <laughs> the coming out part, that's really a struggle for them. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. We've been seeing quite a few elk and like I said, they've been starting to talk here. It's been some, been pretty warm, but like we got a really rainy day yesterday. So we're just kind of hoping the weather doesn't get too hot here and we're able to have, have a good first week. Yeah, I actually heard one on my last scouting trip. Um, I heard uh, I heard one bugle. It was a really short one. I think it was actually a, just based on how the wind was blowing. I think maybe they heard me and it was kind of like a roundup thing. I think it was like a, come on, let's get out of here. There's something coming. So I'm curious, do you, do you call or are you mostly just like listen for them and try and get in close? Um, I love calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the last place last year uh, was my first archery hunt and the elk in that area were really call shy and I actually found when I was you know getting a little frustrated with the spot that I'd sort of picked out and when I say spot I don't mean one place I mean this very large area around where I had camped um, but the elk around there were really call shy like you could literally you could see them because it was above tree line, you could glass them, you could see them, you could call at them, and they would literally just kind of move off in a direction away from you calling. Mm-hmm. You could kind of watch that happen, which was frustrating. Um, I During that time, I went down to a lower elevation, and I had some other hunters tell me, they're like, yeah, we've been trying to hunt this one 
private property line and you can hear hundreds of elk on the other side of the property line. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, I got to go at least try, you know, because I know there's like a a 0.0001% chance you're going to call elk off of private property. Uh, But I had two that came at me when I was calling and I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And it's like they got to where they could see the fence and they turned around and went back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that were was my you, most exciting calling moment. Were you in a position where those elk could have seen where that call came from? Or were you pretty well hidden in like some timber? Yeah, I was definitely, it was pinion and juniper stuff. So mm-hmm. it was very easy to hide. In. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 In that spot. I mean, in the, the higher up stuff um, above tree line, um, I mean, they for the most part, I would always try to call in a place where, and I learned this from turkey hunting, don't call unless you're actually in a spot where if something answers you, you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just stand out in the middle of a field and call because mm-hmm. if something is like, yeah, I'm right here. And then they look at you and they're like, oh shit, that's not an elk. And they run off, you know, so yeah, that's. That's always my strategy is try to be in a spot. If I'm going to call, I mean, for the most part, you're not, that's not going to happen, but it can. So, you know, try to be in a spot where you can at least duck behind a bush or whatever, like take some kind of cover if something happens to just be right on the other side of some bushes. Yeah. And that's, that's another tactic I like to use. So let's say you get a bull responded and he's coming up a ridge line to you. And you can tell he's coming like on the same line and he's not chasing cows around and zigzagging all over the place. If you can put yourself and be, if you can put some sort of thick cover between him and you and set up just on the other side of that cover, you know, so you have enough room to be able to see when he comes in, when he Mm -hmm. gets to that area, that thick cover and he can't see you and he doesn't see anywhere around and he knows the call is coming passive and he's going to have to come through that. Um, yeah, because versus like you said, standing in the wide open. And another thing I think also works great is say you're calling to a bull and he's coming in, will you call? And then you move back like another 40 yards and maybe stop calling. And then that's sort of where you're sort of just waiting. And now he's going to come to, you know, sort of that area you were at. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> so what? What, learned... what are you gonna? What's your your plan for uh, this season? Yeah, so I've got clients the second and third week for sure. We do have a bear hunter the fourth week, which I'm trying to snag. Like I want I want to guide that hunt because that'd be so cool. I've never gotten a client on a bear, and I would like to add that to the list. Uh, but I'll definitely be hunting the entire first week of September. So I took that whole week off to get out and. I feel pretty good about it. We know where three different herds are and just the matter of playing the public land game on who's, which area is going to have less hunters in it um, and sort of going, going in that way. But I've got a deer and elk combo. So the deer, I can either harvest a whitetail or I can harvest a mule deer. And nice. uh, like if I get an opportunity on a deer, an elk or a bear, I'm going to take it. I'm not, I don't really cool. want to, you know, hesitate on that or be like, oh, I'm only going to yeah. focus on elk for the first week. Um, any <laughs> meat in the freezer is better, better than none. And then rifle season starts mid-October. Well, I guess more so like the end of October. And so my dad's got a moose tag for Colorado, a cow moose tag. Oh, so wow. I'll, go out, I'll be in Colorado for that. You know, he's getting older 
and he's probably what unit uh, moose moose hunt again so i'm gonna go out i'm gonna film the hunt and then quickly make my way back to montana we're doing a woman's upland and waterfowl hunt that first weekend in october uh we got six ladies signed up it's gonna be a, a blast literally uh, <laughs> and then and then I'll have a, like another week to hunt for archery season here. And yeah, then it's pretty much go time again with guiding in October and November. What unit is your dad's moose tag? Uh, it is thir- 23 or 24 and 33. So it's the flat tops. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I don't, I don't know that area. If you said unit 56, I'd be like, I, I got you. Yeah. I will, I will show you exactly where they are. <laughs> well, we have a pretty good idea because we started hunting that area for elk. I don't know, probably seven years ago. That's where I killed both of my bulls. And when it was one of those areas that when we found it, it was so good. Like we were in action all month long. Every month we harvested a couple animals out of there. Never really saw any, any other hunters. Maybe during muzzleloader season, we saw a couple people. And then... Fast forward a few years later, I'm working in Pennsylvania at the sportsman's show there. And I'm talking to so many people who told me that they're planning to come out to Colorado and hunt unit 23, 24, and 33. And last year we were in there and we didn't see a single elk in what we named the honey hole where we used to go see at the time. There wasn't even any sign. Um, There was like a little bit of sign, but nothing, nothing too like fresh. Like they were in there during the summer. And then it turns out this year in Colorado, that's now a draw unit. And it all makes sense. You know, it got yeah. way over yeah. hunted. And now the elk numbers just are not there anymore. But there are moose in there. So <laughs> we're going to try and get, get him a moose. Yeah. Oh, that's really exciting. I would love to hunt with my dad. But he is he's over 80 now. And he's kind of decided on his own and maybe rightfully so that he's a little too old to go run around in the mountains yeah but I keep trying to get him it's like dad just just apply for some a mule deer tag so you get some points and then you know I'll find an easy place where we can hunt there's mule deer everywhere here you yeah know? yeah but no he he hasn't done it that's for have to sale get, like, huh? a landowner tag at, I'd have to get a landowner tag at this point mm-hmm. yeah we have some pretty cool leases here in Montana um private leases where we can take older people or like every year we bring a disabled vet out and he's we uh were able to do one hunt on this private lease here because it's for uh like a vet and so it's cool when you can find areas like that that are accessible where you can sort of drive in on a buggy sit in a blind somewhere and still enjoy still enjoy it and hopefully fill a tag I think my dad is a little too stubborn to use a side by side. Yeah, he's like, if you ever wonder where I get my stubbornness, um, it is definitely from him. And I think if you gave him some, if you showed him a side by side or a horse, he would force himself to ride the horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would that would be his compromise (laughs) to uh, hiking. Would be to okay, I'll ride a horse, but I'm not going to get in a side by side. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what is going on with your company, Ridge Patrol? You have some exciting stuff happening. You've got a Kickstarter right now. Yeah, the Kickstarter, I think a lot of people are, I just don't fully understand how the Kickstarter works. I think it's not something that's been like advertised a lot, but it's it's real. You go on there and it's essentially a platform for small businesses to be able to raise money for whatever product they're they're trying to make. So for example, 
there's a company on there and they are they want to make this video game and with uh, you have different tiers and so with us you can buy the pants early access pre-sale price which is 185 or you can buy all these different tiers you know you can get a combination of clothes the pants the jacket the fleece i'm i'm going to donate some books so you can buy books as well from my new autobiography that's coming out. And we're also offering some really cool experiences. So we're gonna do fly fishing on the Fremont River. So our good friend Bridget Fable, she's got chunky trout outfitters down there and she's got seven miles of private water, awesome views of like the red cliffs and just really big brown trout. And so for 200 bucks, you can go down there for a day. It is a self-guided fishing trip. And so you're basically just paying that that lease fee, that rod fee to get on and fish for a full day on seven miles of really good water. We also have, we actually just filled the one spot for the women's upland and waterfowl hunt. Um, My good friend, Lori, who I met through Upper Canyon, she's an older lady. She's kicking cancer in the ass. It's awesome. She's going to be joining us. And then I'm actually offering a big game consulting experience. So Let's say it's someone who's new to hunting or somebody who wants to get into hunting and they just don't know where to start or someone who just wants to expand their knowledge, gain more confidence, whatever it may be. I am offering a three-month basically subscription of it's a one-on-one experience with me where you bring whatever it is you want to learn. So let's say there's uh, some issues with like navigation or you want to learn how to call elk or field dressing an animal, caping an animal. Um, whatever it is, I'm there to help you with those things for three months in 2024. So all the proceeds for that go directly to our Kickstarter. It's basically, I'm offering up my services for free so you can support our company. Um, let's say you make a pledge on any one of those things. Your card actually isn't charged unless we meet our asking goal, which is quite a bit of money. Um, and (laughs) we need a lot more money. We're, we're not even close there. We've got 24 days left, uh, so it's, it's pretty stressful, pretty urgent. It's like, oh, wow, we're trying to do this in 30 days. Okay, let's go. <laughs> um, but there's been such yeah, that's, good... Yeah, that's wild. That is a large <laughs> quantity of money that you're trying to raise in 30 days. Yeah. Um, they suggested doing 30 days or less because it creates a sense of urgency and those campaigns tend to be a little bit more successful in actually raising the funds. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are, I think are just a little bit confused as to like what the Kickstarter actually is. And so I've been trying to really give some informational videos on, Hey, we're not trying to scam you. Like your card actually isn't charged unless, you know, we reach our goal. And if not, if it is great, it's a win-win. If not, um, not only are we, you know, creating this great product for women hunters and other outdoor women, but anyone who supports, so like, Let's say someone goes on there and they want to make a pledge because they have a friend or a mother or a daughter or sister or some woman in their life that they want to support so they can then have quality gear that gives them confidence and they feel good and they're able to hunt further, hunt harder. Um, And like you've experienced, it's this sisterhood that sort of surrounds Ridge Patrol and the women community, like the women hunters, the outdoor women, but really encouraging women to be in touch with like natural resources and being able to provide and live a somewhat sustainable life through that and being able to make really good connections with like-minded women doing so. It's so much more than just the clothing clothing line. It's 
it's it's a lifestyle, it's community, it's sisterhood, it's supporting small businesses who are just trying to do good, you know. Um, and so it's been it's been a ride. It was a lot of work getting the Kickstarter up and going. It's live. If somebody wants to support, they can um, you know they can go make a pledge. They can make a purchase of whatever. Um, if we reach our goal, then we will start production of the pants and probably won't have the pants until roughly the New Year's. And that's another question people keep asking. Like, they want the product right away, which I get it. Like, I would love for these pants to be in everyone's hands for hunting season. But reality of it is it's just not even obtainable. This would have had to have been six months ago if that was the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got to source the fabric. You got to print the camo on there. You got to sew all the pieces. You've got to ship it, you know, so... Roughly around the new year, hopefully a little bit earlier. Like I'm thinking, you know, for the holidays, some great Christmas gifts. Um, but yeah, a lot of mountain lion Christmas. hunting for me. What's that? Oh, uh, they they'll be my mountain lion hunting pants for yeah. sure. They're they're amazing. Like it just feels so good. I as a co-founder, like I I designed these pants. So for hours and hours last winter, I just sat on the table and I was just drawing. Nope erase a little bit here like this is the hips of the pants so you have to factor in like women of different body tips body types how do we want these hips to be designed okay like come down like all the different little accessories and whatnot of the pant um so it feels good to have them in hand and know they actually work and they're a huge step forward from what we had last um and it's very obvious just looking at them just feeling them and then you put them on and you're like okay it's go time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so a lot of information there a lot of info there um but people can always just reach out to us like i said it's the clock is ticking i think we're we'll be down to 23 days tomorrow i'm not sure when this is going to launch um probably it's going to be before i leave out for elk season so probably on thursday cool today is monday for anyone listening Mm -hmm. yeah so head on over to our Kickstarter. It's You're not only, like I said, you're not only supporting Rich Patrol, like as a small business trying to grow, trying to do good, but you're supporting a much bigger picture. It's that sisterhood. It's the outdoor women. It's the ladies trying to just get out there and enjoy natural resources and being in touch with, with that and with themselves. Cool. And what's, what's the next step? So let's say your Kickstarter gets fully funded, you release the pants. What do you, what do you do next? Do you have like big ideas kind of bouncing around in your head? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what are, what are the dreams going on right now <laughs> after you get past the first step? Well, we're, we're, we are working on some rain gear and you guys have probably seen a few of the prototypes out there. We have a, a, a bib and a jacket right now. And I'm waiting on new prototypes, which I will have probably the end of September. So it's going to be a complete waterproof outfit. So it's a shell. It's a shell system. So you have these amazing bibs. And I I don't want to release any of the details about them yet because uh, we're going to wait until we get there. I'm just going to say there's nothing like it on the market. And another another one of those pieces that I've designed and that are going to stick out and that every single outdoor woman could use, not just for hunting, but you could use it for anything. You can wear it where I'm skiing on the mountain, uh, but it's a layer system. So you have the bib and then the rain jacket and both of them are super compactable. So you can pack them up into their own little sack, throw them in your, in your, your pack and go off and explore and know that you're going to stay dry. And they do a really good job of blocking the wind and like keeping your heat in as well. Um, so those yeah, are the next yeah, two pieces sure. 
that we're focusing on after this. And then, I mean, it's an endless list of things. And I wish we could, <laughs> wish we could do them all at the same time. Uh, but it's I know I want I want a Ridge Patrol Marina line. Yeah, it's coming <laughs> sometime. Uh, but it's just it doesn't because, work that way unless if someone because, wanted. Let to me give tell a- you, once you get, I forgot. What's that? Oh, I know that you're um, that you're young. But let me tell you, once you get over 40, you need the Merino to contain your middle-aged woman smell. Because it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I smell like crazy, yep. Um, it, it'll, be, it'll be coming down the road. If anyone out there wants to invest in our company, hey, we'll take a million dollars and we can do all of these items. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would be amazing. Yeah. Right. Just Ridge Patrol everything. Yeah. I the yeah. list is endless. And and someday we'll be there, but bit by bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, is that everything that you Oh yeah, tell us your book is coming out soon. Yeah. I've got a, I've signed up for a signed copy, but what can if people want to um just tell us a little bit about your book and how they can buy it uh now that your your pre-sale's over, isn't it? Correct. Yep. Pre-sales okay. over. Um, so I got I got a bunch of signed copies that I should have in roughly 15 days. I just paid my last payment the other day. And so they, they started printing today. And so once all those about 130, 100, 145 books will be printed off and sent to me. So anyone who ordered a signed copy, those will be coming your way very soon. I would say by the end of the month, uh, the end of September, you should have them. Um, and so we'll be launching a like a live date as to when the book is available online. And we're shooting for mid-September, beginning of October for that time frame. And so you can stay tuned for that once the book is live online. I will have a link on my website and it's a, a print to order service. And so you'll actually go through the man, the company that I worked with, the uh, produ- production crew and the publishing crew. So it will take you to BookLogic's website and you'll pay for it there and they print order and send it out. So hopefully mid-September, beginning of October, it'll be live for the public to, to purchase. Um, it will be on Amazon, also cool. going to be an ebook. And so if you, here's what I need from all of you. If you receive a, <laughs> if you receive a signed copy, please go on to Amazon and leave it a review. Cause once I reach a certain amount of reviews oh, yeah, yeah. on Amazon, then, you know, things are just going to be better from there on out. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how the internet works now mm-hmm. is the more people that say they like your stuff, the more, more people get to see your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sort of same thing with our Kickstarter. I've been reaching out to anyone I can on just being like, Hey, you know, just sharing it on your page. It costs you no money and it takes you literally two seconds. I was thinking about this earlier today. You can go on Instagram and go through people's stories and it's the most like mindless stuff that people are resharing. So why is it so hard to like, <laughs> support a small company and just reshare it because you never know who's going to see it. Um, and that can just go a really long way. So it doesn't have to be, you know, money or pledges through the Kickstarter. All it's got to be is just like, Hey, I'm going to share this with my friends that hunt. Maybe they're interested. Um, but super excited for the book to come out. That's been a big work in progress. That's been quite a few years. Um, and just really excited to share my very vulnerable story with all of you. (laughs) Yeah. 
Nice. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to read it. I've, yeah. I, I want it for elk season so I can read it in my car while I'm camping at night. Yeah, you should. I mean, you'll probably have it by then uh, before season's over. So. Um, oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. It's coming yeah. up. I, I think I'm just as excited for... I'm excited for grouse season. I made, and we have video. Can you see my video? A little bit, yeah. So I've got, um, I made a custom bird hanger to put on my, to clip on my pack so I don't have to put um, dead grouse in my pack while I'm out elk hunting. (laughs) I like that. Those grouse are stinky. Yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, most most birds are a little bit, but I'm also really excited to just be alone in the woods. Mm-hmm. I think that was my favorite part about elk hunting last year was that I spent almost an entire month just mostly. I mean, there were other hunters. I made friends with some guys camped near me, but for the most part, just being in a little RV by myself in the backcountry was just awesome. Yeah, it it's really so nice. Cool. It's really nice to disconnect and... I've sort of been saying that to everyone here because it's we're we're ending summer here at Upper Canyon where it was a lot of fly fishing, a lot of horseback riding. And so, you know, we have wranglers and guides who are really good at both of those. And now I'm like, all right, guys, it's go time. Like everyone's getting tired from like the seasonal hard work and I'm fired up. Like I'm I'm ready to go all of a sudden. I'm energized. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on. Cool. Um, Do you have anything yeah. Yeah. So good to chat. Um, do you have anything up. else that, yeah, always. Um, nothing really else. I know there's a lot of information, especially about our Kickstarter that was thrown out there. So if you guys have listened to this, um, I'm sure Andrew will attach my, my information there to be able to reach out with any questions regarding Kickstarter, clothing sizes, you name it, how you can get the book. Um, but all that stuff we are, are pretty avid about keeping updated on our social medias. Yeah. So what is, what are your social media handles? Just, uh, you know, I'll put them in the description of the, the podcast, but just, you know, just in case people, people don't read descriptions very well. Mm-hmm. I like uh, to hear so it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's richpatrol.com is our website on there. You can find our shop. You can find our Kickstarter through there. And then on our Instagram, that's just Ridge Patrol. And in the bio, you can click right on the Kickstarter link and it will take you right to the page. Cool. Yeah. And then All right. if it's... you're looking for me, looking for my book, you'll find it through Ridge Patrol because <laughs> that's just pretty much how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it was great to talk to you. And I hope, um, fingers crossed, that you get your meet your Kickstarter goals and everything just keeps steamrolling ahead for you. Yeah, I hope so. And just once again, thanks to everyone who's helped support us so far. Andrea, thanks for having me on. Just want to wish all of you guys good luck this season. Um, be safe out there, most importantly. And uh, send your Rich Patrol yeah, pictures sure. in or tag us in your posts. We love following along with everybody. Your successes are ours. Ours are yours. And we just love seeing everyone's different perspectives from the field. So please tag us so we can follow along and share it too. All right. All righty, well, girl. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you later. Um, check out RidgePatrol.com. Did you hear that? Thank you all for listening to this episode. If you'd like to see more Just Riding Along outdoor media content, you can find us at JustWritingAlongShow.com. 
Just Riding Along Outdoor Media on Instagram, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash justwritingalong. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.